Hi, Gary Zacharias with the Apologist Bookshelf. I love science, almost any area of science, especially astronomy. But uh, I realize that a lot of the books and articles that come out on science are kind of intimidating to people. And I'm always looking for books that I can recommend that uh, might be a little easier to, to wade through. One of those is called Bruce and Stan's Guide to How It All Began. In fact, it's subtitled A User-Friendly Approach. So these two individuals, Bruce Bickle and Stan Jantz, uh, have written a lot of different books. I think they've got over 20 books with over a million of them in print. And uh, they want to deal with that question, where do we come from? Because that question determines a whole lot of how we approach life. So what they do is they ask questions like, does science support the theory of evolution? What have scientists discovered about intelligent design? Can a Christian believe in the Big Bang theory? How about science and the Bible? Can they work together? So they've got a series of books out, and they start at the, uh, at the outset by saying, what are you going to find inside? Well, they got chapters on cosmology and astronomy, geology, archaeology, biology, philosophy, theology. And you think, whoa, I'm getting in trouble here if I have to read this book. But they said they realize those are pretty heavy subjects, but they said uh, you don't have to be an astrophysicist or an archbishop to understand any of this. They said there's plenty of those books out there, but they said their approach was to have correct information, pretty important, to be clear, but then to be casual. And you can tell they had a good time writing this book. So I wanted to, to suggest maybe thinking about it. Uh, it says uh, what they wanted to do is make it easy for people to get through. So off to the side, they have a lot of icons along the way. I think are really helpful. Things like uh, big idea. So when you see that icon, of course, it means it's a big concept. You better pay attention to that or jump to. And sometimes they have you go back to a previous chapter, things like this. One's called The Professor Says. They have a Dr. John Weister who uh, I've met him. He's a really nice guy. And he gives you information from a scientific perspective. But the key thing about this book is it's simple. It's organized well. Uh, anybody can get through it and understand it and at least give you the, the basics. Obviously, books like uh, Look at Theistic Evolution and things like that, Stephen Meyer's books, those are in-depth and they're rich and they're unfortunately a little heavy <laughs> to get through. But uh, this is a good introductory book, just kind of the, the quick view of things. So it's Guide to How It All Began. I want to look at Chapter 8, and it's titled Human Life, How We All Began. And they talk at the beginning, which I think is a really effective way to, to get this off and running. They talk about these charts that you see in Time Life books or wherever, where it shows uh, the emergence of man. And it's got a monkey somewhere at the bottom. And then it, it has uh, looks like a tree expanding. And eventually up near the top, there are people. And they said, of course, if you believe that there's a God, then you think, man, that's a total misrepresentation. And that's not the only place you encounter it. Encyclopedias and popular science books and documentaries, uh, any place you go, they all have the assumption that we're descended from monkeys and apes or some kind of common ancestor. And so they said, you know, that presents what they call a Darwin dilemma because there may be only two options for some people. Option one is you better believe what the Bible says because you believe in God, right? It's got to be the Bible. What, what does the Bible say? And option two is believe in science. They may not talk about God, but you got to believe science because these people have lab coats on. You can trust them. 
Now, I was joking about that. But anyway, so there are the two options. But notice they say if you choose option one, you're throwing science out the window. You got your ears plugged and you got your eyes closed. No, 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 no. I'm not going to listen to any of that stuff. Really? All science is, is, a, is a conspiracy against God? But what if you go for option two, believing in science? Then you're throwing God out the window. And a lot of people say, I'm uncomfortable. What, what are we going to do? I don't believe Darwin, so therefore I don't believe any science. I mean, what, what's happening from the Christian perspective? But they said, well, good news. They say there's a third option that's better than those two. You can believe the Bible because it's true. Of course, that's another issue, isn't it? But also, you can believe in science as long as it's true. Because that does change. Don't you love it, by the way, a lot of people saying today, follow the science or trust science or believe the science? Well, science changes. And uh, plenty of uh, examples of that. But let me move on here. So now they start with some definitions just so you know what they're talking about. And that some of them, they've already talked about it previous, but let's bring it up to chapter 8 here. So let's start with the Bible. There's something called creationism, that God created the universe and everything in it. Now, of course, the catch is, from <clears throat> the atheist perspective, they'll say, oh, you're all a bunch of creationists, you Christians. And they're thinking of creation as young earth creationism, that the whole process began about 10,000 years ago and took six literal 24-hour days. But they don't recognize or understand that there's another position that many Christians take called Old Earth Creationism that says, okay, the Earth really is billions of years old. The days of Genesis are not six literal 24-hour days. That there's, there were gaps between these different uh, periods that God created. There's also intelligent design. What does that mean? That there is a, notice it, it'll uh, shy away from identifying the God of the Bible. It'll just say the universe and everything in it owes its existence to a purposeful creator. And they kind of leave it up to the individual to come up with the, who the creator is. So there's the, the Bible perspective, which I think is, is a good way of putting it because uh, I just want to make sure you all understand that Christians can differ on how they think God worked, right? There are different positions. There's young earth, there's old earth, there are actually two or three other positions. And I've got a talk on that. If you go to my website, apologeticsforlife.org, I talk about it there. But all of that's put under the category of creationism, which is in a way unfortunate because, like I said, a lot of the atheists slap the label creationist as a negative term on anything to do with a God being involved. Okay, so what's the science perspective? Well, there's Evolution, we hear that term a lot. Uh, there's microevolution, minor changes that go on below the species level, and macroevolution, that's new organs, that's big changes, structures, new body plants above the species level. So how does science define evolution? Unplanned, undirected processes. It, it starts with random genetic changes and mutations that come about because of natural selection. So there's evolution. And by the way, uh, try to put these two together. You get theistic evolution. That, that's really nonsense, isn't it? Theistic says there's God, but evolution, from the general meaning of evolution here from scientists, is unplanned and undirected. So you put those two together. Now, this is just me talking. They don't get into this in their book, but you put those two terms together and, and you tell somebody I'm a theistic evolutionist, you're saying, I think God guided and unplanned and undirected process. What? 
Does that make any sense? Uh, no. Okay, anyway, back to what these two authors are saying. So there's the definition of evolution. There's Dar Darwinism and naturalism. And that says undirected mechanistic processes can account for microevolution and macroevolution. There's no such thing as a supernatural. It's just the whole universe is nothing but matter. That's naturalism. Just matter and mindless motion. Okay, so that's the background of it. Now they get around to some of the facts. And they start talking about primates. Uh, that we are classified as a mammal. And uh, the class mammalia is in the order called primates. A group of a whole bunch of mammals. That's lemurs and tarsiers and monkeys and apes. And humans, we're a primate. But just because we're called a primate, they say, doesn't mean that we're descended from primates. Okay, so that's two different things. It says now, what the scientists are trying to find is proof that humans did descend from apes. So how can they do that? They've got to find fossils that show a transition, some kind of link between us today and something before us a monkey, an ape, something, some transitional device uh, that, that got to us, took, a, took it to us. And uh, so here's, here's where we get into the science of it. The first ape, by the way, they said scientists found primate-like fossils dating back 60 million years. Okay, and then they said the fossil record shows you have primitive monkeys and apes about 25 million years ago. And the first ape that came out of the trees it was called Ramapithecus. Now, something around 12 million years ago. So at one time they said, ah, there we go. There's the missing link leading to man. No, not today. They say it's an ancestor of modern orangutans. Modern apes, in fact, the scientists are scratching their heads, says modern apes seem to have come out of nowhere. All right, so there's a problem for people trying to make connections here to tie us into apes and all. Well, what about hominids? Let's look at hominids. Those are members of the family of humans. Walking on two feet, erect posture. All humans are hominids, but not all hominids are human. So here's an example, Australopithecus. Now that's the first hominids about five million years ago, scientists say. And there are three species of them, Afarensis, Africanus, and Robustus. And for a while, they thought, you know, one of these has to be the ancestor of the human beings. That's us. And the most famous of the afarensis Australopithecus type was Lucy. And they said, ah, but now they're not connecting Lucy with any other species. So there went that idea. What about the others, the afarensis and Africanus? They think now that they're fossil ancestors of chimpanzees and robustus is the fossil ancestor of the gorilla. So they're just missing ancestors of modern-day apes. All right, so maybe nothing there to do with people. Well, what about cavemen, they say? The evidence exists. Yeah, there, there certainly were cave dwellers, but that doesn't contradict the Bible at all. So they talk about Neanderthals and Cro-Magnons living between 200,000 and 30,000 years ago. They, uh, the, the indication is that Neanderthals went extinct about 30,000 years ago and are not thought to be ancestors of modern humans. And uh, I've done a book, as a previous podcast, talking about uh, Neanderthals too, so you can take a look at that one if you'd like. Um, the Cro-Magnons came along about 100,000 years ago, and they're fully modern in appearance, and they're classified as one of us. 
So here's something that they follow up on. They, they go to Hugh Ross, who's an astrophysicist and done a lot of study in these scientific areas. He's head of uh, Reasons to Believe. So Hugh Ross says these quote-unquote cavemen probably lack characteristics of a real spiritual component. In other words, they were hominids, but they were not human. They were not aware of a moral code, no concerns about life and life after death, un unable to communicate and worship a higher being, not conscious of self, not capable of recognizing truth and absolutes. And uh, they actually quote from a paleoanthropologist, Richard Leakey, and he recognizes these human characteristics as unique. He says, our sense of justice, our need for aesthetic pleasure, our imaginative flights, our penetrating self-awareness, all combine to create an indefinable spirit, which I believe is the soul. So even he realizes a lot of these hominids that he's digging up, they don't have these qualities. So he, the two authors then say, look what's going on here. And they have a chart. I wish I could show you this chart. They said, the Darwinist view is that one species evolved into another. And you get a tree. In other words, you have the, uh, the bottom of the tree, the root, and then the, the uh, stalk of it. And then it begins to branch off in all these different directions. So that's what they think. If you let enough time go by, you would see this kind of branching going on. But it said the, the scientific fact, based on actual evidence, actually digging up evidence, shows instead of a tree you get what looks like grass. You get individuals coming out of nothing and growing and maybe going extinct, but not turning into others. So you get this kind of a grassy look. You have these different animals growing straight up and not branching off into something else. Well, of course, one, one more question, then we'll stop this uh, section of the book here. When and where did the first humans appear then? And he, they go back to interview Dr. Ross, and he said these characteristics that identify humans that we just talked about. And so how do you find those out? Well, you find religious relics and altars and things like that. He says they date back only as far as maybe 24,000 years at most. And things like art, well, art only goes back about 5,000 years. And so Hugh, Hugh Ross estimates humans created by God and in his image came around 24,000 to 5,000 years ago. And that's consistent with the dates of science and young earth creationists and old earth creationists. Then they interviewed John Weister, Dr. Weister. He says the first agriculture and towns and the beginning of civilizations occurred in Israel and Mesopotamia. Well, that's the same area the Bible talked about, the center of human origin. So the Bible seems to be doing pretty well in this field. Uh, by the way, let me mention something about John Weister because I do like him and I, I mentioned him. I should uh, tell you more about him. He's, uh, he was the chairman of the Science Education Commission of the American Scientific Affiliation. That's an association of Christians in the sciences. So he's taught geology. He's taught origins. Um, he's an adjunct instructor of biology. He's written a lot of things. Uh, a really good guy. So they're using, with uh, Hugh Ross and now with uh, John Weister, they're using some good, solid science to back up what they have to say. At this point, let me, so I'm going to end that chapter, but let me just, I don't know if you call it a warning, but there's just a note here that this guide came out in 2001. So we're talking about 20 years old. There have been newer findings, but nothing upsets this general idea that scientists are still struggling and are stuck 
trying to come up with this missing link. Everything they find and they promote dies out after people take a look at it and realize, no, that doesn't really do it. So we think as Christians, now we have different views on how old the universe is, but we all believe that humans came about because of God's special intervention and special creation. So I hope we have enough courtesy and kindness and grace for people who may disagree with us about how old the universe is. When did God do the creating of the earth? When did he create humans? We may disagree on that, uh, but we should give grace to each other because we all of us still agree God had to intervene. There, there's not an unguided, purposeless plan, which, of course, leads back to the idea that we say ideas have consequences. If we say everything is is pointless and there's no rhyme or reason to it, that's that's pretty scary, right? Do you want to live like that? Uh, that means your life has no meaning, no purpose. Just get the most toys that you can and, and then die. We don't believe that. We think God is involved. Well, I hope that's helpful. And uh, please contact me if you have any questions, gary.zacharias at gmail.com. And we can talk about these issues. So thanks for bearing with me. I do love science. And uh, I hope you at least find out some of the basics that are going on in scientific searches, especially today.